Hello and welcome back, fight fans, to episode number 194B of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. Happy, happy Halloween, everybody. As you can see, this is my Halloween costume. I'm just wearing a skeleton onesie. That's about the extent I go to for Halloween. I don't get into it that much. Although, you know, I like to go and do a couple Halloween parties and have a few drinks. That's about it. Don't have kids yet, and Halloween's all about the children's, right? So uh, remember, this Saturday, Fight Party, right here on MOB, on the YouTube channel. So Fight Party for Kovalev, Canelo, Canelo Kovalev, however you want to say it, that's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you guys show up for that. And you know what? Maybe I'll have a Halloween costume on at that time for that fight party because Tiff and I might be going to some Halloween events. So you never know. We'll see what happens. All right. Um, news and notes. Only one real thing to uh, to talk about here. Of course, winding down to the end of the year, you're not going to have that much news and notes. But we are getting some fights coming together. Very last minute. Tony Harrison, the rematch with Jermel Charlo. December 21st, Ontario, California. It's probably going to be uh, the Citizen Bank Center out there in Ontario. I don't like this for Tony Harrison. This is basically almost to the day a one-year layoff by the time he takes on Jermel Charlo. And PBC, and I've been saying this and I get shit for saying it, but it's just, it's my opinion. PBC wants Charlo to get that title back. They got plans for the Charlos. Tony Harrison won that title. Honestly, he's from Detroit. He should have had one voluntary defense in Detroit. And they went right back into a rematch with Charlo. That, of course, got pushed back because Harrison had an injury. So here it is now. Uh, He's not getting a tune-up fight, nothing, going right back into this rematch. Never got that voluntary defense. I don't know if Uncle Al slipped him some ducats under the table. I don't know what the arrangement here is. But Charlo's been busier. You know, he only had a few rounds of work, I think, back in June. But that's something. This is all set up for... A decision win for Charlo, maybe even a late stoppage win for Charlo, and he'll get his title back. That's the way I see it playing out. What I don't get is you got a guy from Detroit, you got a guy from Houston, and they're going to be fighting not even in LA, but an hour outside of LA, way out in the suburbs. So this just doesn't make any sense to me. It makes no sense at all. But to the defense of PBC, They had something scheduled originally and Harrison got injured. So this is kind of a makeup. So I get it. I just, I really think they could have took this. Detroit could really use a title fight in Detroit. And Tony Harrison, by winning that title and scoring that upset last year, I think he earned that. Title defense, the rematch with Charlo should have been in Detroit. That's just my opinion. Anyway. All right, guys. uh, A lot of stuff to preview. This episode, Friday, November 1st, is a showbox card in Las Vegas from Mayweather Promotions. So you can check that out. Saturday, everyone's doing a freaking card. Everybody. Saturday, November 2nd, Matchroom is doing a card on The Zone, of course. Katie Taylor moving up to 140 pounds. She goes right into a title fight against a Greek fighter named Christina Linar Datu. Linar Datu, uh, who only has one loss. And coincidentally enough, it was to Delphine Pearson who many people feel Taylor lost against earlier this year and would like to see her rematch. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Also, um, and so that's for the WBO title at 140. And you got to expect Taylor's going to win that. She's a huge favorite. Anthony Crawler also fighting on that card in a bunch of prospects. Top rank 
and Zan Fravicard on ESPN from Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California. But real quick, we got to interrupt The Hidden with a Super Chat pledge. Thank you so much, The Hidden. He says, yo, Mike, Canelo Kovalev on my birthday this Saturday. Well, damn, man, that's a hell of a birthday present. I hope the fight lives up to the hype. I'm starting to think it's, it's going to be more competitive than way more than I originally thought. We'll get to that in a second. But thank you for the Super Chat pledge. Happy birthday. And um, hopefully you'll be here watching with us on the fight party Saturday night. And we can do a happy birthday toast together over YouTube. That would be fun. But uh, top rank Xanfer on ESPN in Carson, California. Miguel Burchelt, the sixth defense of his WBC super featherweight title going up against veteran Jason Sosa, who's been in there with some good fighters. Usually comes up short when he steps up, but always gives him a tough fight. Almost always. So that should be a pretty good one. Jerwin Ancajas defending for the eighth time his, uh, I think IBF, my notes here say WBF. It's not WBF. I believe it's IBF or it might be WBO because this is top rank. I'm thinking it's WBO, 115 or super flyweight title against Jonathan Rodriguez. So uh, there you go. Two title fights right there. We got another super chat from Juan Manuel Valverde Jaime. Damn, dude, that's a hell of a name. Thank you so much for the Super Chat pledge. He says, do you see Kovalev winning a decision in Vegas? We will get right to that, my man. We will get right to that. Thank you very much for the Super Chat pledge. I appreciate it. Uh, Silicon says, I look tired. Tiff needs to let you rest, big stud. I am tired. I'm freaking exhausted. It's also the shadows and the lights. Actually, you know what? Yeah, I don't even have my lights set up. Guys, I'm exhausted. And... I got up at 7.30 this morning and did a three, three and a half mile run in the, in the rain. I'm um, trying to get back to, you know, working out early and even doing some two-a-days. So I'm pretty worn out right now. But yes, I, in the midst of my technical difficulties getting this video set up, I did not get my light kit set up. And I doubt you guys want to sit here and wait while I stand up and go turn all that on. So it's creating all kinds of shadows on my face that make me look even more tired than I really am. Chupacabra is asking, how much do I weigh? Uh, right now, probably 225, 230. I'd like to get that down under 220. So, um, yeah, that dude and that weight, that's just house renovations weight and traveling, being on the freaking road so much the past few months and working on the house. So I will chop that off real quick. Uh, okay, PBC on Fox Sports 1, TGB Promotions at the MGM National Harbor in Oxon Hill, Maryland, Javier Fortuna going up against Jesus Cuellar. So Fortuna in his last three is one in one with no contest. Jesus Cuellar is, he's lost two of his last three. So neither one of these guys has been stellar lately. They both need a win in a big way. And sometimes when you have two fighters in desperate situations like that, you get a really, really good fight. So uh, who knows? We might get a good one there. Brian Castano coming off his draw with Irislandia Lara in March. Going up against uh, Lagos, Nigeria native Wale Omotoso, who beat a completely shot Curtis Stevens on the Pascal Brown card earlier this year to earn this shot against Castano. So, uh, you know, hey, that should be pretty interesting. Two of the Gary Russell brothers also on the undercard. And then we got the big one in Las Vegas, Golden Boy Promotions and Main Events doing a joint promotion on the zone, MGM Grand. In a very chilly, I guess it's uh, more chilly than normal Las Vegas right now. Before we get to that, let's see what kind of questions you guys have right now. 
Uh, Azier asks, Michael, do we know what the rehydration limit is for a Kovalev? I haven't heard anything about a rehydration limit. Um, I No one's said anything about it. Gail's going to be on here any minute. We can ask her. Gail's there in Las Vegas covering the fight. So she's there rocking the MOBT, rocking the MOB. And um, she might have some inside info on that. But the IBF's not involved in this fight. So as far as I know, there's no rehydration limit. I think Kovalev can come in weighing whatever he wants to. I saw one of you guys was asking about the Tyson Fury fight. I couldn't see who it was. Sorry about that. But Tyson Fury uh, fighting the WWE over in um, uh, Saudi Arabia. What do they call that? The Crown Jewel Tournament or something like that. Um, Of course, he wins it by a knockout punch. Well, go figure. Guys, every time a boxer does wrestling... That's how they win. When Floyd Mayweather fought the big show, a dude who outweighs him by like 5,000 tons, he knocked him out. That's what happens because you're, you're a boxer. So it, it was hilarious seeing Tyson Fury knock out this massive guy, and he's not a very heavy-handed puncher in boxing. But of course, in that world, everything's scripted. So I saw some videos and clips of Fury Strowman. That was it, Strowman, uh, from over there. And, um, you know, I was just kind of chuckling and laughing. But look... Smart promotion, genius promotion. He made a ton of money basically acting, basically doing stunt work. Think of it that way. That's what WWE is. You're doing Hollywood stunt work and being paid a lot of money. So it was very, very smart for him to do that. A couple of you guys are asking about my costume. This is just a onesie that's a skeleton. Yeah, can you see? (laughs) That's it. It's just a onesie that's a skeleton. That's it. It was cheap. It was at the supermarket, and I grabbed it. So there you go. I could take my hood off, but there you see my hair is not combed. So I'm going to put my hood back on. Clearly disheveled today. Um, Tommy Balseo says, no pirate costume, Montero. (laughs) Uh, No pirate costume. I don't know if there's a pirate costume made for six foot four guys. Seriously. Uh, Grievous says, why are you hooded up? going on a hit <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go on i'm gonna go rob my neighbors i'm gonna go rob my neighbors after this that's why i got the hoodie on <clears throat> fluffy bone says i'm gonna be joe six pack for halloween <laughs> i love it dude <laughs> that is still one of my favorite terms rockstar 1996 ask uh is russell mora refing the fight yes he is russell mora is refing the fight I don't mind a couple of the judge. Well, I think one of the judges, Dave Moretti, is pretty legit, but the other two, I'm not so keen on. Um, but yeah, the officials definitely in Canelo's favor. But guys, that's what it is. I mean, it's Vegas. I mean, Canelo signed the dot, or I'm sorry, Kovalev signed on for that fight. He knows what he's getting into. Grievous says, "Don't whack the neighbors, Montero." Hey, you know, as long as they don't talk, I ain't gonna whack them. All right. Gail Falkenthal's on. She says, MOB Vegas correspondent in the house, live from the MGM. That's awesome. Gail, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Dave Moretti is one of the judges. Who are the other two judges? I know Russell, Russell Mora is the ref, but I can't think of the other two judges' names off the top of my head. But I know when they were announced, I wasn't crazy about those names. Uh, Julie, it's Julie Let- Okay, Julie Letterman and Don Trella. So Don Trella. Go back to the first Canelo-Golovkin fight. Don Trella had, I can't remember, sixth, seventh round. It was, there was a round there that Golovkin clearly won that he gave to Canelo, and that turned it from um, 
a would have been a majority decision win for Golovkin to a draw. Seventh round, says Jack Alter. Yeah, seventh round. 114-114 from Don Trello, that first Canelo-Golovkin card. And, uh, you know, clearly if he just... Uh, Adelaide Bird's scorecard caught all the press, right? Of course, as it should have. But Don Trello's scorecard wasn't that great either, particularly given the seventh round of Canelo. So him being there, I think that's a judge for Canelo. Julie Letterman usually does a pretty good job. So, but that with Russell Mora, I don't know, guys. I don't know. Canelo or Kovalev's got his work cut out for him. Harrison Property with the, with the Super Chat Pledge. He says, spooky Halloween, Mike. Thank you very, very much, Harrison Property. I appreciate it. Um, you guys are awesome. Appreciate all the support. Uh, Rockstar1996 asks, let's just say it ain't you aren't beating Canelo on points. Kova's going to have to stop him or at least drop him four to five times. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's let's start previewing that card, guys. And Gail, chip in on the chat with anything you got that you've seen there. I know I was talking to Gail, I think yesterday or was it the day before yesterday, and Gail was talking to some ticket brokers there in town, and they said tickets are moving really slow for this thing. So, Gail, I'm curious, has it picked up at all? Is the energy there in Vegas picked up? Hopefully you're getting decent enough internet if you're in the media center. The media center at the MGM is hit or miss sometimes. Um, but yeah, from what I've heard, okay, there it is. Gail, yeah, Gail is having some connection problems. Russell Moore is getting a step up as the referee. Yeah, Gail, I don't know if you could hear me before. I was asking, I, I know the ticket sales were kind of slow and it was slumping. I'm wondering, has the energy picked up and have the ticket sales picked up from what you've seen over the last 24 hours or so? Chime in whenever you can on that because I'm curious. Uh, guys, let's talk about the undercard real quick. So, uh, Russian. We've got a couple of prospects from Eastern Europe there. Uh, let's see. Gail says, if you noticed, on the undercard presser, they were flogging just a few tickets left. Yeah, which is bullshit, right, Gail? They always talk about that, which I don't understand. And I've talked to several ticket broker friends, and they say Golden Boy's notorious for this. I don't know why they do that. They say it's a sellout when it's really not. They're not the only ones who pull this stuff. But they do this a lot. And to try to make it seem like it's more hyped up than it really is, I don't know. But I heard the only a few tickets left, but then I've heard the complete opposite from people who are actually there. Gail says, no one will officially say how many tickets are sold, which tells me it's still slow. Yeah, that's a dead giveaway. That's an absolute dead giveaway. So, that you know, that's a shame. But, man, guys, it's it's November it's in Vegas. You got everything else. NBA, NHL are in full swing. The World Series of Baseball just ended yesterday. By the way, congratulations to uh, to the Washington Nationals. That was a great come from behind victory. And um, of course, you know NFLs in full swing. Did I say that? So so you've got all these sports going on, and it's cold right now. Chupacabra says too cold to go to Vegas, right? Gail says, right on Montero, you can't say it. We have loads of tickets. Come on down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so I think there's going to be some discounted tickets. So um, Gail says, media are just now starting to come down when normally they would have been down two days ago. I noticed that too, Gail. I noticed that too, that uh, people were just getting there today or will be arriving tonight or early tomorrow to cover the weigh-in. 
but people weren't there to cover the fight week stuff. There were no workouts publicly for Canelo and Kovalev. They did all that stuff back in California. So um, I just, it's, it hasn't been the greatest promotion in my opinion, but I think they're just depending on the whales to bring in the money. And that's all that it takes. Gail Falkenthal says, Luis Ortiz had a media workout today and the turnout was minimal. Although Dan Raphael and Lance Pugmire were there. Yeah, I mean, if it's PBC stuff, they're going to be there. Those guys are going to be there covering. Okay, so um, undercard. I was just talking about this. Russian, Bakram Murtazaliev, 16-0 junior middleweight is on the card. Kazakhstan native. Man, how the hell do you pronounce this? Guys, M-E-I-I-R-I-M. Meirim. Nusultanov. Meirim. Nusultanov. I am butchering that name. 12-0 middleweight prospect. He'll be on the card. There's a female flyweight fight on the card. And the pro debut of Evan Holyfield, one of Evander Holyfield's 14,000 kids, will be on that card as well. And of course, in the co-main, Ryan Garcia, fresh off the huge deal, the re-up he just signed with Golden Boy Promotions, where everything's beautiful and sunshiny and happy again between him and Oscar, going up against Filipino-American Romero Duno. Born in the Philippines, now lives and trains out of Los Angeles. So Garcia's 18-0, 21 years old. Duno is 21-1, 24 years old. Garcia, 5'10", 78-inch reach. And Duno, five foot seven, 68-inch reach. So Garcia, it seems he's always in the ring. He's always the taller, longer, bigger guy. That will be the case here. This is a 135-pound fight. Um, so Garcia only fought once this year. That was back in March, and it was two rounds. So he hasn't had a whole lot of rounds. But there's a couple fights before that where he got in some rounds. You got to say Garcia is the heavy favorite here. I think that... He's probably going to win this fight pretty handedly. Gail Falkenthal says, I have talked to Evan Holyfield at length, and he is one smart, funny kid. He's got a great attitude and a great head on his shoulders. He's, I've checked out his social media, Gail. He seems pretty uh, pretty smart, you know, pretty intelligent, like he gets it. Another one of those guys who obviously does not have to box, doing it because it's in his blood, it was raised on it, and, you know, I think he's going to give it a try. Do I see big things down the road for him? Nah, I think he probably grew up a little too, um, a little too, I want to say privileged, but yeah, his dad was a millionaire. So Gail says, Duno is coming to play. Garcia might struggle with him. I think that'd be good for Garcia if if you're trying to build him up and, and get him rounds, like learning on the job. I'd love to see Duno challenge him. I just have a hard time thinking Golden Boy, after signing this massive contract, would put him in there against a guy that they don't feel very, very confident about him fighting, you know, the first time out after signing that contract. So let's see here. Gideon says, Sinicia is a good fighter. Yes, Sinicia Estrada, she's moving up from 108 to 112 to challenge for a flyweight title. And um, there was some bad blood, I think, at the press conference, her and the chick, uh, Marlon Esparza. I think it was an Olympian for America. Pushing and shoving each other will be interesting in a way uh, to see how that goes. But let's get into the main event real quick, guys. I'm sorry this episode has been really haphazard. I've been all over the place. Um, not the most organized episode. I apologize for that. We'll get back on the ball next week. It's uh, It's been a crazy day of me getting a lot of work done. I just 
got in here and started off the episode. And then I had tech difficulties where the original link I set up <laughs> shut down. So I had to start a new one last minute. It's just all over the place. I have no lights on. It's crazy. Apologies. We'll be back on the ball. Well, actually, before Monday for the fight party. Yes, Fluffy Bone is asking about fight party. Fight party for Canelo Kovalev this Saturday here on the channel. So we'll be nice and organized and there'll be nice pretty lights and everything will look good and sound good for that one, guys. So be on board and uh, check it out. Okay, main event, Saul Canelo Alvarez going up two weight divisions, 15 pounds to 175 to fight Sergey Kovalev for his WBO light heavyweight title. Alvarez is 52-1-2, 29 years old. Kovalev, 34-3-1, 36 years old. A very old 36, I may add, because of the lifestyle out of the ring and because of some of the wars, stoppages, and damage he's taken in the ring. They list Alvarez at 5'8". He's really more like 5'7", if that. 70-inch reach. Kovalev is right at six feet tall, 72-inch reach. So you guys have seen them side by side. We'll see tomorrow what Canelo weighs in at. I don't think it'll be any, anywhere near 175. I, I think it's very possible he weighs in at like 170, maybe even like 168, something like that. I think that would be smart. If he comes in 172, 173, like to me, that's a little too heavy. But we shall see. Uh, Kovalev has never had an issue making weight. He'll be right on at 175. People have made a lot about the size difference. And when this fight was first signed, I talked about this, right? I talked about the fact that, yes, Sergei Kovalev is much taller, much longer than Canelo. But Canelo is a short, squat dude. He's always been built. He's built like a wrestler. He's built more like an MMA fighter, like a wrestler, because he's short and squat. And that's just the way he's built. He's always punching up. Look, Kovalev is no taller or longer than Daniel Jacobs. Daniel Jacobs is just under six feet tall. Actually has a one inch reach advantage over Kovalev. Rocky Fielding is over six feet tall. And I'm not trying to say Rocky Fielding's an elite fighter. He's not. Julio Cesar Chavez, again, not an elite fighter. Six foot one, 73 inch reach. Why do I bring this up? I bring it up because Canelo has fought tall, long guys before. The Jacobs fight, the Fielding fight, the Chavez fight. How did those fights go? He did very, very well. He's very good at getting underneath taller guys, working the body and looping shots upstairs. He also has outstanding head movement. I think he has very underrated defense and he has really good hand speed. He's also a pretty accurate puncher. Not one of the more accurate punchers in all of boxing. I think there's more accurate punchers but he's pretty accurate. So he can target shots, especially to the body, pretty well. And now, the difference with Kovalev, he's not just six feet tall, 72 inch reach. He's a true 175, okay? He's not huge for that division, but he's a fully grown light heavyweight. Again, I will go back to earlier this year when Kovalev fought Anthony Yard. Look how huge Anthony Yard looked next to Kovalev. Yard is a big, light heavyweight. People talk about Kovalev having this crazy power. He's called the crusher. His power is overrated. Kovalev has never been a one-punch power guy. He's a guy that wears you down with an accumulation of punches and pressure, at least in his prime, because he could get it done with both hands. 
and he come right down the middle at you. So if you couldn't keep him off you and you couldn't get inside on him, he'd just chew you up on the outside in that mid-range and eventually wear you down. But there were plenty of guys who were able to go deep in the fights with Kovalev or even go the distance, even guys that Kovalev dropped. So the one-punch power stuff with Kovalev is vastly overrated. And especially now, the way he fights, he's pretty much a one-handed fighter. He can still get some work done with his right hand. He's still got a nice, straight right hand, especially at his mid-range right hand is better than his long-range outside right hand, especially now. When he can get you, when he can hit you with some jabs, get you to lean in a little bit at mid, and he's at mid range, and boom, he'll back up, he'll shorten up the right hand and just touch you with it. It's nice, but it's not a one hit or quitter kind of shot. And then you go over to Canelo, right? Canelo has had big moments and, and dominated some of these, not, not dominated, but controlled parts of fights against taller fighters. Now he dominated Rocky Fielding, but Rocky Fielding's not a top ten fighter. However, Canelo has never stopped anybody, any elite-level fighter, I should say, north of 154. No top-level fighter. I don't even know if he stopped a top-10 fighter north of 154 that I can remember. Amir Khan doesn't count. That was at a crazy catchweight. Canelo, I think it was 155. Great stoppage, but that's not an elite-level fighter in that weight class. And then Rocky Fielding doesn't count. So when this fight was first signed, you guys remember, I was like, holy shit, what are they doing? This is going to be a d- destruction to the body from Canelo. But I've since thought about this. And I've thought about the way these two guys fight, the way they match up. And I just think we got a distance fight here, guys. It's within the realm of possibility that either guy could score a knockdown or even a stoppage. Of course, it's boxing. Anything can happen. But in terms of their styles, okay, Neither guy is crazy active with CompuBox. Right? CompuBox won't be, you know, sweating too much. Neither guy is going to throw a ton of punches. They're going to be very measured. Kovalev's obviously going to jab and try to stay at mid-range and keep distance. Try to stay on the outside. Canelo's going to try to get inside, work the body. And then when he is working the body, loop upstairs. Come with looping shots up to the side and back of Kovalev's head. If Canelo fights this fight backing up, that's not going to work for him. He's got to come forward. He's got to make Kovalev work. If he can do that and he can get underneath the jab of Kovalev, he can have moments. He can score points. And guys, I'm going to go ahead and say this, and I know I'll catch some shit for it, but all Canelo has to do is make a round close and make Kovalev miss enough whether he's catching it on the gloves or whether he's picking shots off or moving his head in slipping shots make Kovalev miss touch him a couple times around the Mayweather special that's how Floyd Mayweather won rounds in Vegas it's how he made himself a multi-cajillionaire and Canelo's pulled that move a few times in Vegas himself that's all he's got to do here he's the smaller guy he's moving up in weight He's the A-side. If he can make... Yeah, who is it? Griva said in steel rounds. Exactly. Steel rounds. That's it. Make Kovalev miss. Make him work. And then touch him a few times. Touch him a few times to the body. Loop one upstairs. If you can land a counter punch that actually snaps Kovalev's head back, boom, you won that round. It doesn't matter what happened the other two minutes and 30 seconds. That's what Canelo has to do. 
It's in Vegas, his backyard. Do the Mayweather special. That's what Floyd did round after round. It's how he won fights. The key to this fight, and it's like, no shit, Mike. I know what you guys are going to say. The key to this fight is Kovalev's jab. But here's the thing. Kovalev can't headhunt with it. He's got a smaller guy, so he's already punching down. So I get it. He doesn't need to be trying to stab to the body. But Canelo moves his head so well. Kovalev needs to ab or uh, aim for the chest. Yeah, Falco just said it right here. Jab to the chest. There you go. You read my mind. Jab to the chest and jab to the shoulders. Seriously. One way you can tire a dude out and get his arms heavy and get him to start dropping his arms is to pound the shit out of his shoulders, his, his biceps, his triceps. Pound the shit out of him there. Also, he'll move right into shots. He'll start moving into shots. So if Kovalev, every single time Canelo tries to dip in, pop, just touch him. Don't even worry about doing it with power. Just touch him and push him and keep him off you and off balance. If you can keep doing that and landing on Canelo's chest, his neck, his shoulders, his arms, I'm telling you, eventually his arms are going to start to get tired and the head's going to open up a little bit in the later rounds. Same thing if you're Canelo you got to think that's what Kovalev's going to try to do, right? So the best thing you could do is start timing that shit. And one thing about Kovalev, he does work in one rhythm. He gets into a rhythm and then he starts, he kind of comes in and comes out. It's somewhat like Dimitri Bivol, not exactly. I mean, not guys, don't, I'm not trying to make an exact comparison. But there's a little Dimitri Bivol-ness happening where it's straight in, straight out, same rhythm. And actually, Kovalev has less offensive variety than Bivol because Bivol can actually go downstairs with both hands and do different things. Kovalev used to be able to do that, but he slowed down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So if you're Canelo, anticipate Kovalev's rhythm. Get a timing thing down. Give him a couple rounds. Just, Just catch Catch the shots and then start countering. Counter to the body and make Sergey move. Make Sergey use his feet. Put the fight on the inside where he doesn't like it. The one thing, Canelo's not going to be able to bully Kovalev on the inside the way Andre Ward was able to do. Andre Ward was a big, strong, light heavyweight. People forget Ward fought as a light heavyweight in the amateurs. That's where he won his, his gold medal in the Olympics. He was a natural, really, really a natural light heavyweight who melted down to 168. So when he was on the inside with Kovalev, he was able to get a lot of work done. Is Canelo going to be able to bully Kovalev the same way on the inside? He's just not as physically strong. I don't think he's going to be able to do that. But all he's got to do is score points. That's the whole point of this fight. Canelo's got to score points. Kovalev has got to do twice as much. Not just because of the A-side, B-side thing and all that, but because of impressions. Kovalev's the bigger guy, right? He's the quote-unquote knockout artist. He's the crusher. So people, they shouldn't, judges shouldn't think, you know, with all these prerequisites in mind and all these preconceived notions, they shouldn't think that way, but they do. And they're going to, in the back of their mind, they're thinking, man, this, this is the bigger guy. You know, he's supposed to hit with all this power. He's supposed to be bullying the little guy. If Kovalev isn't doing any of that and he's just touching Canelo, I don't know if he's going to get rounds. 
I don't know if he's going to get rounds. So that's the way I see this one. Um, I think that we're, we got a distance fight here. I don't think we're going to... Uh, if This is my assumption, okay? Of course, again, anything's possible. It's a fight. But my assumption is that we got a distance fight with no knockdowns. And this is going to go to the cards. I think there's going to be some swing rounds in this fight that could go either way. And I think people are going to be bitching on the internet. But Canelo Alvarez is going to get a decision in this fight. And maybe it's going to be a close competitive fight. I hope so. But there's a chance that late in the fight, if Canelo can slow down Kovalev and really land some big body shots and slow him down, that he might pull away late. There is a chance over the last third of the fight, Canelo can kind of pull away. Uh, There's also a chance, though, that Kovalev's jab could really mark up Canelo a little bit and slow him down. And then we might have a close competitive fight. But I'm telling you guys, all Canelo's got to do is touch him a few times, stay away, make a miss, and he wins a decision on the cards. So that's the way I see this one. Let's get to the chat real quick, and then we're going to bounce out of here, guys. Uh, We'll let you go and get back to your Halloween festivities. Jack Alter says 100%. So I think we're seeing this fight the same way. He says Triple G's jab is better than Kovalev. Um, Probably. I, I think it's probably more accurate. But the one thing actually that Kovalev does better than Golovkin in terms of his jab is different speeds and different um, angles with it. I, I think that he has a nice jab at mid-range on the outside. He can uh, throw that jab in volume. You know what I'm saying? But I think that Gennady's jab actually has more power and snap to it. I think that when, 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 uh, when Golovkin lands a jab, it snaps your dude's heads back. Kovalev can do that. He can, but not always. Sometimes it's kind of a range finder and it's just the touch guys to keep them off balance, but also it helps Sergey stay on balance. Because sometimes when you touch a dude and put your hands on them, that's a way of you keeping balance. A lot of times, guys, especially at mid-range, when you're throwing a combination, you know, you might be trying to dig a right to the body. You might set it up, you know, with a touch to the chest with your right hand then touch to the chest or to the midsection to the solar plex with your left hand as you move down as you dip and then boom power with the right hand to the body sometimes just putting that other hand on your opponent keeps you on balance it keeps them guessing while you move to the shot you really want that's something Kovalev does really really well that I think he does better than Golovkin if that doesn't make any sense tell me I'll try to explain that better Marshall Ministry says, I have Kovalev Yard in full HD ESPN version. Canelo Fielding, full HD. Kovalev Alvarez, second half in 1080. If anyone wishes to revisit those fights. Well, cool, dude. We'll have to check out your channel, homie. Oh, we got a super chat from A. A. Petri. A. Petri. I hope I'm saying it. I know you told me how to say your name, dude. (laughs) I'm butchering it. Uh, Prime, thank you for the super chat, first of all. A, pa- a Patri? Ah, you told me how to say it. Prime Canelo versus Mayweather. Who wins? Well, okay. Prime Canelo, we're talking 160 pounds. We're talking 160 pounds. That was not... I think this is a Prime Canelo Alvarez at 160. It wasn't at 154. He was still learning. He was in his early 20s, mid-20s. Now he's 29 years old, right? As a 27, 28, 29-year-old, he's been right there at middleweight. This is the prime. 
of his of his career, and this will be his best weight. So a prime Canelo is a little bigger than Floyd. So if you're talking prime Mayweather, prime Canelo, what weight do you want to see it at? Because right now, Canelo could not melt down to 155, 154. He couldn't do it. I, I, I don't even know if he's going to fight at 160 again after this uh, move to 175. It's very possible, guys, that win, lose, or draw, he comes back down to like a catchweight at super middleweight and does a third fight with Golovkin next year. It, it could happen. Yeah, I know it's you, Andre, but how do I say your last name? A, a Petri? I know you told me how to say <laughs> Anyway, dude, um, you know what? I got to take Mayweather by decision, prime for prime. But I got to tell you, at 160, at 160, I don't know, dude. At 160, that uh, Canelo would have a real shot. He really, really would. The, the version of Canelo that we've seen over the last 12 months or so, at 160 against Floyd, he'd be naturally bigger, stronger, uh, hand speed pretty close. Floyd would have the hand speed advantage, but not by a whole lot. I would pick Floyd, but it'd be close. It'd be like a 15-13 kind of fight. Seriously, it really would. All right, let's see, guys. I think, yeah, Canada Chris is saying Prime Mayweather was not 154. I think Floyd was so good, he could kind of go back and forth between 47 and 54. But yeah, clearly his best weight was 147. Harrison Property with another super chat. What's up? Thanks, thanks, man. I appreciate it. He says, uh, what is all the controversy surrounding Oscar De La Hoya, Mike? I missed that news. Are you talking about the supposed rape case? Yeah, I don't know if you're talking about the sexual assault uh, allegations which he says are complete bullshit. So look, right now, it seems everyone and their mother is being accused of sexual assault. I'm afraid, like, if I'm in the supermarket and the girl checking me out says, hello, sir, I'm afraid to even look at her. I just look down and be like, hey, because I'm afraid to even look at a broad right now or you'll be accused of something. So look, Oscar has been known to get plowed at, at bars and parties and stuff all around LA and make an ass of himself and get in trouble. So I don't know who to believe, but I think it was a situation with him in a bar or a nightclub or something where a woman was saying he pulled some stuff. Him, Golden Boy released a statement saying that um, there's nothing to it, the, the, the completely baseless allegations. We shall see. Falco Lombardi says plowed as it. When I say plowed, I mean drunk. Baracho. <laughs> I'm just talking about umbriacho in Italiano. That's, yeah, he's just plowed so drunk you know what i'm saying oscar likes a beverage and he likes to have fun <clears throat> jack is asking me who's more accurate than canelo you said there are more accurate punchers than canelo but i disagree um prime tv says oscar plowed her jack i know you'll keep asking that question if i don't answer you look dude you guys are putting me on the spot i mean off the top of my head um when it comes to jabs just jab okay I think Golovkin has a more accurate jab. I think Terrence Crawford, way more accurate than Canelo Alvarez. Terrence Crawford is probably the best sharpshooter in the sport right now. I think Lomachenko is a tad more accurate. Uh, Kovalev's jab is pretty accurate. Uh, maybe Canelo's is more, but it's close. 
But yeah, dude, there's a few punchers right now that I think are a little more accurate. I think the most accurate puncher at the elite level in the game right now is Terrence Bud Crawford. Lomachenko's right there, though. Look at the body shot that he killed Linares with, right? Killed him to the body. Pow! That was just such an accurate, sweet, beautiful shot. Uh, Canelo has those moments, but he also does a lot of the looping stuff. You know what I mean? And that's why his power doesn't always translate to knockouts. Accuracy matters more than anything. It really, really does. Even Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder's straight right hand, it's crazy. It comes from a million crazy angles, but it's pretty damn accurate. He put it right on the button against Brazil. Gail said Oscar did appeal at the main event press conference on Wednesday and he spoke. No apparent frostiness with Canelo. Everyone on good behavior. Yeah, that's another thing. Um, there's been some stories written on on some pace sites about, um, I guess, Canelo going off about Oscar and all this. But yet, all during fight week, people have been asking Canelo about it. And he's been saying, oh, we're good. We have a working relationship. Everything's cool. And then Oscar's been there during fight week. Everything seems to be going fine. So, look, Oscar has demons. He has issues. Um, you know, we all have our issues, but it does lead to a lot of publicity, not always the best kind of publicity for Golden Boy Promotions and their star attraction, Canelo Alvarez. But then again, there's a lot of people out there that would say there's no such thing as bad press, especially when it comes to boxing. Oh, we got trick-or-treaters at the door. Tiffany's giving candy to some kitties right now. I can hear them down there. <clears throat> Let's see. Thunder's production says Brazil has no head movement, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that is a good point. He's like a giant statue. <clears throat> Carlos Cabrera, prime Kovalev versus prime better Biev. Whew. Man, oh, man, oh, man. That's a tough one. You know, we've seen Kovalev in there with so many good fighters. And we've seen better Biev in there with one good fighter. One. So... I, you know, I got to say, dude, Better Biev was getting outboxed for large portions of that fight. Kovalev, I think, in his prime, had more power and um, just had more heavier hands than Vosdick. And I think from the outside, from mid-range, I think he'd outbox Better Biev and win a decision. That's the way I see that fight going down. Some people may disagree, but just based on what we've seen, we've got more background on Kovalev to go off of than better BF. You know what I mean? Two, three years from now, I might have a completely different opinion. Completely different. Yeah, I know you guys are talking about better BF beat Kovalev twice in the amateurs, but that's the amateurs, dude. There's all sorts of crazy stuff you see in the amateurs, especially depending on the time when guys get in. Who was it? Sean Porter, I think, that beat like Alexander Usyk or something like that. Like, um, I can't, don't quote me, but it's something like that. But it had more to do with the age of the fighters and everything else. So, um, yeah, you can't always go by the amateurs. Let's see. Yeah, Porter beat Usyk. Yeah, Porter beat Usyk in the amateurs. You know what I mean? I mean, think about that for a second. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. But Porter was an older kid. Usyk was just getting started. And look at them now. Does anyone think Porter would beat Usyk? <laughs> so you can't always go by the amateurs. 
Uh, let's see. Gail says, I talked to Canelo one-on-one last week, and he was in the best mood I've ever seen him in years. No kidding. I think he's just been hangry all this time. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, Falco Lombardi said Porter still had that football weight. Yeah, Porter fought at like middleweight, super middleweight in the amateurs. He was just a bowling ball. I mean, he already is, you know, as a, as a pro in uh, as, in the welterweight division. But in the amateurs, he would just rough dudes up just with that style. Imagine that in a three-round or five-round fight. You know what I mean? Kevin Frey is asking about Vada. Yes, they're doing Vada testing for this fight. Kovalev and Canelo, they are doing Vada testing for this fight. So no worry about that. Andre Smith, any chance Lomachenko ever goes up to junior welterweight? I think possibly for a one-off. Possibly. Maybe if a Mikey Garcia fight could be made or something. I don't know if it's a smart idea, but possibly for a one-off, it could happen. We shall see. But no way is he going to campaign there. No, no, no way. In fact, he might go down to 130. So, Harrison Property, Andre. Let's see, who else did Super Chat today? I know Harrison Property did two of them. A few of you guys were on here. Thank you again for the Super Chat. Guys, we're going to go with one more question and then bounce out of here. So, uh, let's see. Tommy Boseo asked, thoughts on Chavez Jr. fight canceled? Damn, I didn't even know it was canceled. Did not even know that. So I'd have to see. Because I was actually kind of looking forward to Chavez and um, Chavez and um, Jacobs. I thought that was going to be kind of fun. That really, really sucks. Damn. I'll have to check out the, uh, the news on that, guys. We'll have to talk about that Saturday night or next Monday. That's crazy, man. Some of you guys are saying he ran from Vada. So we got to see. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. All right, we'll have to see. So if uh, if he wanted out because of Vada, not a good look. But then again, Chavez really hasn't given any good looks. Canada Chris is asking, what time's the fight party? Uh, it's going to be right before the main event starts. So you guys, if you're watching on the zone, right before the main event, come uh, come over to the channel. We'll watch it together. All right, guys, we're going to end it there. Oh, shit. Gail says Chavez Jr. suspended by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. There's got to be something, some drugs involved with that. Probably smoking pot or something. Well, we're going to have to dig into that story, guys. But um, I'm going to bounce off for now. Happy, happy Halloween. Uh, Have fun. I'll see you guys Saturday at the fight party. All right? I'll see you at the fights.